0: Now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station.
1: iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's
2: more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.
1: Welcome back to The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times. Thanks so much once again for joining us. And it's a special ruck because, one, we've got three people in the studio. Myself, Will Callagher. On my left, Alan Dimmock, editor now of Rugby World magazine. You are right? Yeah, good, mate. And... All the way from the other side of the world we have a reappearance <laughs> of Mark Evans. You didn't need to wear the garland, Mark, in no.
2: the studio. Yeah. Well, well, welcome up. back. You're back from Fiji. I, I am well I'm uh, yeah, I'm flying back out on Saturday, so yeah. Flying visit. How long have you been back? Uh just before Christmas. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, nice. And you've been watching loads of rugby? Loads of rugby, yes. As yeah. ever. It's, can't get enough. Right, well
1: it's brilliant to have Mark back all the way from Fiji. We'll get into what he's been doing down there in a little bit, but
2: You've been back in the UK, so what have you been watching, Mark, over this weekend? Yeah, well, I watched uh, three of the games, which is a poor effort, frankly, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but, you know, there were one or two other things on. One of my children's Scouting
0: sk- for the Fijian side, were you? No, we, yeah.
2: uh, no, no part of the, you have to be qualified for play for Fijian, yeah. uh, to play for Fiji to play for the Druah. So, uh, not that many possible. So, one or two, but you never know. Uh, I watched the Falcons game against the Tigers. I watched uh, Gloucester against Saracens Friday night. And I watched Exeter against... Saints I'll
0: tell you what I'm quite excited to get stuck into some of these because there's loads of stuff to talk about yeah. from the slate of games we had at the weekend So It
1: was quite a newsworthy weekend It we'll, was We'll we'll get into it but we will on this pod get through the latest from the Premiership recapping the weekend Owen Farrell faces a potential ban that's one of them he's been cited for his high tackle on Jack Clement on Friday night for Saris Tom Curry and Luke Cowan dickie have got fitness scares ahead of the Six Nations also, between the time we recorded the last podcast, Nick Evans has been appointed England attack coach for the Six Nations, so we'll talk a bit about that. And as we mentioned, Mark is back from Fiji. Of course, he's now the chief executive of the Fijian Drua. so we'll talk take his thoughts on that. But also, we'll name our God and Goddess of the Week. But first, why don't we delve straight into the Premiership action? Because there was loads that went on, so that will come next. Right lads, loads that went on over the Premiership weekend and we've been having a chin wag off-air and all the chatter has been about Newcastle Falcons. Alan Dimmock, take it away.
0: Clear the floor because the Falcons are are flying. Um, (laughs) uh, It's an interesting one. We've spoken about their travails in previous seasons and there's an old saying that a change is as good as a rest. For Newcastle, who perennially underspend compared to their competitors in the league, It seems like a change is as good as a couple of hundred mil on the salary (laughs) cap because uh, under Dave Walder, they just seem to be doing incredibly well. And I was speaking to a contact at Newcastle last night and they're just buzzing about home games. They're just like, we want to talk about it as a fortress um, where people dread coming to play us here. And they're doing exceptionally well. I just want to read you some top line stats from the weekend. I got these uh, from Oval Insights. Um, and they, um, so Falcons top of the pile compared to all the competitors in the league for most tries this weekend with six, most meters made with balls in hand, 430, most defenders beaten, 25, Mush. most clean breaks with 11, but importantly on the other side, fewer fewest turnovers conceded, six, 100% set piece. Now, that's exceptional for this round, but also. Just looking at the season as a whole They're leading the way for first phase tries With 24 Gloucester and Quinns have got 19 apiece So they're they're second But 24 is enormous Now obviously We're going to give it the big George McGuigan here And uh, a lot of that is It will be pushover tries And a lot of stuff from Moles But just exceptional stuff from them so far this season And we just need to give them their due
1: Yeah They were amazing weren't they Mark And on that note that um, Al mentioned about the money we got a bit of information about what they're spending
2: and yeah. how little basically yeah yeah i i i have from a pretty decent source i mean they are spending well under the well under mm. the salary cap you know right. six figures uh, sorry seven figures under the cap yeah um and they are they're not dogging it out as Alice said they are they played some fantastic footy on the weekend they really did um and it, carreras has, has got understandably given his try scoring record has got a lot of the press and rightly so but funnily enough i didn't even think he was the best of their back three yeah. i mean I, I thought i thought tom penny mm. uh, at full-back, fullback yeah uh, that switch from center where he used to play to fullback has been inspired and uh, he was extraordinarily good yeah. you know when andam Radwan's your weakest link in the back three you know and he had a good game too you know you've got yeah. you know you've got a bit of poke they really haven't i thought the other guy who um really stood out was was the fly off was was brett Cannett. he mm. he was he his his game management was absolutely outstanding because it they scored six tries but their their tactical kicking on the uh on the 4g was was outstanding
0: the the thing as well about uh, before this season started one of the talking points for newcastle was who's going to guide this team in attack because you know it's been not musical chairs but it seemed like a few people were auditioning to wear that 10 shirt mm. so, so to see them click is exceptional they obviously do things a very newcastle falcons way um you know, uh, people from Scotland might know might know well the absolute madman that is Scott McLeod the, who looks after their line-out and, it, uh, you know, it, what a phenomenal job he's doing mm. and I know that he gets on really well with the players. Um, it helps that he's mad as a box of frogs in the best possible way. Um, but just quickly to go back on and Carreras and, and Will, I know you've got some thoughts on this as well, is uh, according to Oval Insights, 1.23 tries per 80 minutes this season. So he's almost guaranteed a try a game more and he... Is that's more than any other player that's played more than five games in the premiership. So it's it's actually looks incredible because he's played so many more games. So for example, Cowan Dickey's played fewer than five games, uh five or has only played five games and it has a, a, a bigger total than that. But in the back line, Carreras is just running
2: riot. And I think it's really important that we Talk about how well Newcastle played because in mm. when these results happen, we tend to say, "Oh, what's wrong with Leicester? What's wrong with Leicester?" That's the story. I think it'd be it would be, and look, that is a story, by the way, and I'm sure yeah. we'll touch on it in a minute. But I think it's really important to stress how well Newcastle played, and it and it and it's the it's the, you know they beat Sale up there, they beaten Le- these are quality teams, and they, they beat them comfortably. Um, now look, they've got a thin squad and, you know, the league's really tight and who's to say they they go through a rough patch and still come 11th? You know, but, and here's me on my hobby horse again. What Newcastle are doing with the resources they've got and the market they are trying to serve is outstanding. Dean Richard did a great job there for many years. They overachieved, and they made the playoffs one mm. year. And, you know, and but at some point they will hit a bad year. They will. It's inevitable yeah. when your resources are that thin, you're going to hit a poor year and you might come bottom. You know, what's a really sensible thing to do? Let's put a st- let's put a team that is over pitching itself in an area that we need, let's relegate them. Yeah, that's a really really <laughs> good idea. Really strategic thinking. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Welcome back Mark Evans. That's <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> we missed you. We missed you. It's like a comfy pair of slippers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, you mentioned the Leicester thing there, and I feel, well, two things to note is when you look at what Sale have done in the last couple of weeks and what they might do in the next few Mm -hmm. months, Newcastle's result beating them 2014, I think it was, which I know really annoyed Alex Anderson and was the reason why they kind of turned it around the last couple of weeks because he was so annoyed about that. That's a marquee result. But then also you look at Leicester, and as you said, Obviously, the emotional turmoil, I suppose, of this season with Steve Borthwick leaving and also Kevin Sinfield is, is totally manifesting itself on the pitch because you can see just in the statistics, They, I was just looking at this for my Monday Mall for Time subscribers that they've conceded 35 points three times now this season mm. and two in the last couple of weeks and they only did that once last season and three times in the 2020-2021 season and if you look at the points conceded per game under Kevin Sinfield's defence was 20.1. And in the last few weeks, it's been 33
2: since he's left. I think just one sort of word of court caveat, I suppose. They are half missing um, Montoya and Vuce. Yeah. Oh, my word. They're 2-8. and eight. That It just goes to show in this league, if you, I don't care who you are, I, and I'd almost include Saracens in this as well, now that their squad is not as deep as it used to be, for certain reasons. Um, if you lose two, three, four of your absolutely key personnel in this league, you're probably going to lose a few.
0: Well, you, you, are, you we really are. are we are we
2: cutting possibly one of their best scrum
0: halves as well? Because he's moved upstairs. Like that's a genuine yeah. question. He is clearly he's 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 being earmarked for coaching because he's got such a phenomenal rugby brain mm. on him. It's good to have that kind of rugby brain on the pitch.
2: Yeah, but he's. I mean, look, they're, they're hardly short in that position, are they? Let's be sure. frank. Yeah, sure. Sure. I sure. mean, I, I honestly young. don't think that 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 w- Wigglesworth would have made a huge amount of difference the last few weeks. Um, I do think Will's point about the sort of psychological mm. sort of. It it was a it went on for a while, didn't it? And it was like a sort of sword of Damocles dangling over yeah. them and then and, and it's happened and it is disruptive and it's psychologically it's it's a hard one to get over. But I don't think you can minimize those two guys right down the spine of the team mm. are are really important. And they haven't played for the last three weeks. I think I've got that right. The last yeah. three games. And my word, it done half show. Mm. Can, mm. I, can I can ask Will a question whilst we're talking about uh,
0: culture shocks and, you know, moods in camp? Uh, you spent some time recently with Sail Sharks. Yeah. And, you know, sorry, Mark, their result against Quinns was yeah. a big in. They're travelling really well yeah, at the moment.
1: Well. Sale. I uh, just wonder if you could give us a bit of insight from what yeah. you learnt with your time with them. They, it was really fun going up there. I mean, it was, it was one of those where uh, often we unfortunately don't get the chance to go up there often because we spend our time going west and going north and to the midlands and all that but it was the i organized it the day before and the, the media guys were like oh look if you can get here for 9 30 then you'll be able to see some decent amount of stuff and so i was then po- po- poking it into the sat nav and went oh god that means leaving at quarter to six <laughs> so i think i did about 12 different motorways on the way up there because there were no trains and all that sort of stuff but it was really good and Alex Sanderson, as you guys will both know, is is a fantastic orator, an amazing speaker, and talking about Prussian war strategy and all sorts. There's all sorts going on there. But he said that what he'd done, because he likes theming weeks and things like that, he's kind of cut down on what he calls the fluff a bit this season because he talked to the players and they said they wanted a bit more of Just getting on with it, rather than just talking about things. I mean, it's
0: some, that's sorry to jump in here, but that's something that we have talked talked about a little bit in the past. Like I remember hearing stories a couple of seasons ago when he first came in about making big props, do hot yoga and stuff like that. Mm. And like we're here to scrummage, like yeah. let us crack on with it. So yeah. it sounds like it, he's absorbed all that. But he years.
1: and I think it's some of it is a marketing strategy where they're talking about being the fabric of the north and all that sort of thing. But it is interesting how they are really trying to grow a local bunch of lads. About like they did in 2006, and had when they won the title there with Jason Robinson and Richard Rigglesworth and Charlie Hodgson and all those guys under Philippe Santandre. And actually, Pete the Kit Man, who I spoke to there, Pete Allen, um, who has a really cool room where he has all the shirts of teams that they've played against up on the walls, and every morning he plays 40 minutes of a genre of music. So it could be country and western or opera or R and B. So we had Craig David on Wednesday. Oh, never mind, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was saying that. He's, there's a joke in
0: there about what he played on uh, Thursday yeah, and Friday yeah, and Saturday yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah very good of,
1: very yeah. good but he, he was saying that as a viewer who's around the team and has been for 20 years he really sees a 2006 feel around the this current sale guys and then they've got that sort of Afrikaans beef in there as well with the Dupree brothers and by the way Rob Dupree
2: is playing fantastic unbelievable
1: season And yeah. we're looking at George Ford coming back and he seems to have a real influence there on the attack and what they're doing. I've got
0: I've got a sales stat for you that includes yeah. a Dupreea if you want that. Go on. Um, and this just it tells you just how aggressively Sale are, are going about their business this season as well. It's in the top four for uh, dominant tackle contacts this season there are three Sale players in the yeah. top four.
1: Dan Dupreea, Ben Curry and John o. Ross. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, and Rob Dupreer, that that move that they made um, to score one of their tries, where it was a bit of deception from Tulangi, Sam uh, James putting Aaron Reed around the corner and um, scoring that try, was, was just lovely play. And I think Rob Dupreer is having an amazing season. It's going to be fascinating how George Ford now comes in and plays in that team. It was a good headache to have, though. Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. But it was something Stuart Barnes mentioned the other day. He was wondering whether Rob Dupre could be the sort of player who could move to twelve if they had George Ford at ten. But actually, a lot of the feeling up at Sale is that Ford might end up ending, wearing an England shirt
2: before he wears a Sale. I one, think he might, which is a huge frustration for them. Well, yes and no. I mean, they they they're in good shape. I think they're very well suited for this time of the season mm. as well. I I wonder why the you know but but at the end of the day you win the premiership on a hard ground in June and May.
1: Well, this year, but I was just going to say that actually, it's funny the way the seasons move, and it might not make any difference, but everything's a month earlier this season yes, because of the World true. Cup. So the final's twenty seventh of May.
2: But that's when it always used to be traditionally, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? It was yeah, always the last weekend in May. You but it's know? not
1: like you're playing the end of June, which when the sun won the just league, starts and
2: poking out over the top of the stand. Does it?
1: Is that right?
2: Just okay. I'm not sure I saw the sign up at sale. Well, that's uh, so stereotypical, uh, isn't it? But I think was they're a really good side, and I think they're yeah. in. And they're, and I think you've got to say now they've nailed on a top four place. They yeah, are, you know. So, yeah. People are underestimating, I think, how many few games there are left. Mm. You know, I think now we're down to eleven teams. Um, you know, we're well past basically half, nine, isn't it? Yeah, we're well past eight. Ha- eight, I think, well past halfway. Um, can't see them; those two dropping out the top four now. No, um, but the rest of it, it anyone? Anybody. Well, if you look at the table as as we are on a Monday,
1: Saracen's top with fifty two and we'll get onto them in a sec. Um, Sale second on forty three, and then there's a bit of a gap that they created by beating Quinn's mm. to Quinn's on thirty one level with Gloucester, although Quinn's have got a better well, or they've got actually, just looking at it now, exactly the same win loss ratio and exactly the same points difference. So it will be on try scored at the moment, um, splitting those. But at the bottom of the table, we've got Bristol, who were just desperate on Sunday. I was there watching them at London Irish, and we don't need to do loads on that game, but I haven't seen that game. Were they really think, bad? Well, they went 20, set twenty to seven down just after half time, and Irish kicked another penalty to make it twenty three seven, and there, there just didn't seem to be any staging of a comeback or using the really talented players they've got they had Genj and sinclair who weren't really dominating loads of the scrums semi radraja got ran over by cunningham south at one point in the second half which was quite alarming Johan lloyd's a brilliant player i think at 12 not really do much magnus bradbury at eight a very good Scotland number eight just kind of middling and a bit average with a, a talking about money at the start mm. with newcastle doesn't mean that you're brilliant because you've got a billionaire who owns you but this is a team who've been stated that they want to win cups not just compete for them but win them and they're nowhere the last i think they've won 11 out of the last 35 premiership games which for a, a team with a very highly paid squad and massive resources and a head coach signed up till 2028 mm that's that's an alarming record really isn't it
2: it's it's i suppose it's ne- it's a season and a half of underperformance now isn't it it's not a look teams go through bad patches but good teams come out of them and there's not a huge sign of bristol coming out i know it's still very tight and you could argue and i would be arguing if i was pat lamb we can still get to the playoffs it is that close you know you put a run together now you win six out your last eight you'll go top four i think that's Mm. because of the fact that everybody playing each other um and would you say that was impossible for Bristol? No, but at the moment, I did. I say I didn't see them this week, but I watched them against the Quins. I didn't. I thought they were incredibly lucky to beat Quins. Yeah. Um, but a lot of grit. But they didn't play much. No. I mean, the second uh, half there's half not that many game, signs of them putting a run together, are no, there?
1: No. That second half of that game, they had 20% possession, yeah. basically, and dogged it out. And it was that tap tackle and the holding, holding up Esther Hazen over the line, that or knocking the ball out of his hands that. Kind of won them that in the end, but yeah, that it's an odd one in the prem at the moment because they're bottom, but they're ten points off Gloucester and quinn's mm. in third and fourth, which so is two games, th- two wins, yeah. But also, you look at what they've been doing at the
2: moment, and you don't see them winning those two games. No, whereas four. you compare them to say, and they're by this this team's by no means the finished article either. We came at the Bath, mm. who again coming off another couple of poor seasons, maybe more. But there's a feeling around Bath at the moment that actually they might have just turned the corner. Yeah, they, they 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 obviously they benefited hugely from Worcester's demise mm. um and all the rest of it. They recruited terrifically well. If Barbary gets fit, I know that's a, almost becoming like a yeah. too laggy question. But you know, if Barbary gets fit, um, you look down there, Roster, and think, oh, they they've got a lot of firepower. Yeah. You can and if you're a Bath fan, you could be starting to feel Slightly optimistic. Let's mm. not overkill it. Um me that for a while. <laughs> Bristol. Bristol. <laughs> I'm not sure
1: I'm hanging my hat on the moment. No, no. The Bath one. I, I've got my girlfriend's a Bath fan, and one of my best mates is as well. And I always say to them that the Bath problem has never been having a bad team. They've they've often had a really no, good fifteen, no and then the rest of it is the problem. Mm so we'll see with Bath there's loads of England-y talking points that include the Prem so why don't we have a little break now and then we'll get into Owen Farrell sighting injuries to Curry and and Dicky, and also Nick Evans who I believe, Mark you must have been involved in getting him over to Hardquins mm-hmm. all yeah. those years ago all those years ago so yeah. we'll get into that after this
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen
2: VoiceOver on Settings
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
2: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open.
1: Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Right, so we promised to get into the England ins and outs and suspensions and bans and injuries and recruitment and everything else, but the breaking news as we record this on a Monday morning is that Owen Farrell, most recently the England captain, has been cited for that tackle that lots of you would have seen on Friday night. Late in the game he hit Jack Clement, the flanker, in the head with his shoulder, um, was allowed to stay on the field it was a bit of a confusion between Carl Dixon, and the referee and the TMO as to whether they could look back at it and they can by the way which foul can. play yeah yeah there was a, that was a mix-up there wasn't it it was yeah, yeah. It but happens. then what happened as lots of you will know is that sod's law <laughs> it's it's a tight old game and Owen Farrell kicks the winning drop goal and Saracen's win at Gloucester so gents Owen Farrell cited I was actually going to say at the top of this show, but we'll mention it now, that we don't have Stephen Jones and Stuart Barnes on today because I think we're we're keeping them apart because of their (laughs) in-copy spat about uh, Owen Farrell. So in the Sunday Times, Stuart Barnes was saying, you've got to ban Farrell because he's got this consistent record of high tackles. And then Stephen Jones had his retaliation in Monday's Times and said the the slobbering fools who are all going for Owen Farrell need to shut up. So, lads, what do we think about this... Um, Mark, should we start with you? Yeah, he's going to get a ban. Tackling?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm, couldn't. You know, I, I, I got no strong feelings about own Farrell as a track record either way. Frankly, I mean, you, you deal with each case on its merits, and he's going to get a ban. He's got cited. He was a little fortunate. Sometimes it, you know, goes in your favour. Saracens would say, "Well, Ben Earl got a red card. Was it against London Irish? Yeah, and then got and, rescinded. and got it and got yeah. rescinded." You know, over a 20 odd game season those are the breaks you win some you lose some you've just got a different in a cup final or a playoff but in a regular season game you've just got to just got to ride with those you you get some go your way some don't um he's gonna get a ban it was a shoulder to the head i don't think there's much doubt about that it's a question of how long
1: yeah, yeah. just before you jump in al on the um the sort of admin of it so his hearings on tuesday we'll probably find out on wednesday morning what the ban is um, it's dangerous tackling, and mm. because it was contact to the heads, it's a mid-range offence. It has to start at that, which carries a tariff of six weeks. But as we all know, six weeks doesn't mean they get a six-week ban. Also, which is pertinent, particularly for the Six Nations, is that Farrell hasn't before qualified for one of these speed awareness courses we talk about, the
2: tackle Tackle technique. kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, no, sorry, don't get me. now. I'll let you go. No, second. this feeds but in exactly. Just to cover
1: it off, um, he... Could take a week off his ban by undergoing one of these tackle courses, which Charlie Yules did after he got sent off against Ireland in the last Six Nations. So possibly, quite unlikely that he'll be banned for the the uh, England Scotland game. But should we go on tackle courses? What do What do you want? Well, to get into, well, first, um? firstly, firstly, uh, just an interesting
0: note is that we've had nine red cards this season so far. This time last season we had ten. Okay. So arguably, if Farrell gets it, we'd be bang on trending the exact same as <laughs> yeah. last year. Um, They're all learning, the players are learning Yeah, the the players are learning So, well, tackle awareness course is an interesting point to lead on Now, firstly, Owen Farrell is an exceptional player He is vital to how England's rugby have played for years and years Um, The absolute skill and uh, pressure, dealing with pressure to knock over that winning kick, fantastic This, however, though, is I feel like we need to change the language of how we talk about incidents like this because we've all heard elite players at this level go, "Oh, well, the most important thing is player safety, obviously." However, now firstly, there's never should never be a however, but also, if we're going to have people saying stuff like that, or we're going to have this approach for years, let's hold people to it. So, is Owen Farrell knocking his pan in, so he might need this tackle awareness course because if he's if he's knocking his pan in to try and uh, sort his tackle technique and he isn't quite getting there in the heat of the moment with his swinging shoulder and his low to high technique that he's been using for years and years, if he isn't changing that, why isn't he changing that? Is he working hard enough to try and change it? Or is he just not good? Uh, Is he exceptional at lots of things, as I mentioned earlier, but he's really not good at tackle selection? Hmm. Because we've got to start talking about these things as a deficiency in people's games.
1: Because it will lose someone a game in a big World Cup semi or something. We absolutely like that.
0: know it will yeah. Because we've seen it for the last few years And if we're just going Ah well we can wear it We'll just go by and by And nothing will actually change that much You know I'm not up for calling loads and loads of players lazy But in this instance Maybe it's time we start going about this
2: Yeah I disagree uh, it's, uh, I've, well, A couple of things Tackle school, what a load of baloney I mean, that is just nonsense. You're not oh, I telling don't, me don't, I don't agree that
0: I, it's going to change anything. I don't know, think it changes I, I, anything.
2: i go to tackle score What you mean, like, they're not doing it at their club or with England? I'm oh, mm. please. I mean, ridiculous, right? Forget it. Um, waste of time. Spend the money on something else. <laughs> I agree with you there. Um, I, however, um, are, are of the view... It, 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 high tackles, or, you know, tackles to the head during games... I think it depends on what we're trying to do, because if what we're trying to do is reduce the whole concussion, mitigate the concussion risk, it doesn't make any bloody difference. Mm. Right? Right. That's not what's causing – all the research suggests it's very little to do with individual high tackles in, in, in high-profile games. Mm. It's much more to do with the amount of training, the amount of contact in training, uh, at age, what age contacts, etc., 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 right? So let's at least be clear why we're trying to get this out the game. In, 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 and and to say, oh, it's about reducing concussion, the concussion issue. I'm sorry, I just don't think the data backs that up to any mm. significant degree. Um, there are other factors that are much much more important. If we're doing it because a, it's a bad look, and I and I think it is. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a good look to have in the game. In the same way that we don't like tripping. Mm. It's 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 sort of like slightly offensive isn't it and headbutting and certain things you just or don't like, want like in the game where someone lands on their head or fights and stuff all that kind of stuff anymore. it's it's punching yeah. in the game we don't see it anymore yeah. you know that kind of no arms thing that with the shoulder charge in rugby league mm. they they in the old school oh the game's going soft don't, don't be stupid right but it's oh, it's a what you're trying more. what you're trying to to the game to look like it is yeah. people hate me when i say this but it's a product you know mm. what do you want your product to look like but I don't think we will ever get high tackles out of the game, no. ever. No. I just think the nature of the game is such, it is so fast moving and people change height so quickly and they slip and they fall into things. If anyone thinks that by hitting more red cards and longer bands, well, if you thought that was going to change the behaviour, wouldn't it have happened by now? mm Because I can't see any evidence of that. You're kind of agreeing with me here. Am I? disappointing. My question
0: (laughs) here is, is, do we think that... That's why I mentioned lip service before. Do we think that there is enough? Like, people are genuinely going, like, this is completely different. Now, I 100% agree with you. I would much rather see uh, a demonstrable... Uh, what's the word shortening of the amount of contact time that people do yeah and fewer games fewer games absolutely i mean uh, if steve Jones was here he'd probably be turning purple uh, again about the number of test matches they get played all that Mm, kind of stuff right i agree with you on that my point is is i would love and it's an unanswerable question i suppose is i'd love to know how much of it is just lip
2: service and oh yeah it's it's the most important thing but behavior is what's actually been done uh, yeah i don't know i mean i see stack sometimes you think and this is the one's that really get me i think oh, you, you see red and yellow cars you think well what else was he meant to do there yeah i mean seriously you you, you see sometimes the ball carrier is coming in about a foot off the ground mm. well leading with his head where am i meant to tackle him yeah yeah well uh, tell me uh, it's a serious question which bit of his body am i meant to hit mm. now Obviously, if he's running straight up and you take his head off, we all know. I saw, there was an app, the one on the old, uh, on um, uh, social media the other week where it, it was it was a real old, an old style Trevor yeah. head high tackle. Now, yeah, goodness me, yeah. my word. I don't know who we, he It'd was playing like for bam, at the time. Bam, yeah. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Do we see many of them now? None really. Hardly any. You know, we're, we're, we're now, I, I, I don't know, I think we're, I think, in a way, yeah, maybe we are agreeing. Is this concentration on the high tackle in games a little bit of a distraction for some of the other things that perhaps we should be doing?
1: Just on a on a note to sign it off, and we'll move on to some of the injuries and other bits. But um, I would be really fascinated to know, and someone like Steve Borswick might actually do this, Al, that if there was a metric or some sort of stat for players on tackle safety or something like they give away more penalties for this for dangerous stuff that is unnecessary than other players and whether it then becomes into selection so it might be that actually own farrell's number is quite low or it might be that it's quite high we don't have that information but It'd be amazing, wouldn't it, in the future that because it will matter so much, especially in tournaments. Well, especially if we're
0: talking about, let's be honest, most directors of rugby are absolute control freaks.
1: Yeah, and want to know everything. It's quite else. a money ball thing. Like this guy's the safest tackler in the league, or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
2: it, it's more our penalty counts as well. Yeah, it, true, it, it, yeah. there's no doubt that the well, like, guy, oh, oh, he's a penalty machine. You yeah, know, they don't tend to keep their place unless they're absolutely wonderful in another area. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're slightly off the point Which, here, but that. You look at the you look at the the weekend. The number of teams whose set piece was really poor at the weekend. Exodus was terrible, but it's they won the game comfortably. Yeah, yeah. easily. But the penalty count went their way for Mm. quite a long way. Gloucester, who you know probably should have beaten Saracens, frankly, but the penalty count was first half particularly was terrible and their line-out fell apart yeah, for the yeah. first time all year Gloucester's line-out fell apart they they blew two was it two or 3 5 yeah, meters yeah. you can course, almost yeah. go 14 points here for Gloucester they've got 14 points before you start because their driving mall is so good mm. completely fell apart at the weekend the same with Bristol actually and it was something Pat Lamb mentioned that he was sort
1: of bemoaning individual errors and I think he said 19 penalties but the, um, yeah, they I've, I read that I haven't seen the game but, but it's, I read that you can't of, win with that. You know, Al will know, but the, the stats often change depending on where you look. So it was some places yeah. 17, some places 18. But yeah, it was a lot basically. But um, the one person I'd like to mention, which will segue us nicely onto injuries, was Tom Pearson. And on the penalty thing, something that Declan Kidney mentioned about him afterwards is that he's fantastic at selecting the breakdowns to go for and the ones not to. Mm. And his conceding really a few amount of penalties. I think he's only conceded two defensive penalties in the whole season. That is extraordinary for a back row for forward. That's a really unheralded yeah. skill as well. But. And yeah. so Now the, my lovely segue is that Tom Curry, which is not lovely for him, got injured, uh, pulled a hammy on the weekend. Um, and there are 50 million back rows at the moment that mm. could probably pay for England. But if he is out, which he could be, um, his, so- his brother perhaps, Ben Curry? But Tom Pearson, I think, is is one. He did go to the England meet up the other day. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. This because into the, it.
0: some rumblings I'd heard is that potentially there was an idea to move Tom Curry back to six, and that well, Ben Earl was back at this. Yeah, well, this, he's another one. This Amazing hot box season. camp or whatever you want to call it, yeah. this, this fitness camp that they came in. And he and he was there. And I made a point of asking a couple of people in the a couple of players in the Premiership last night. You know, it's like, who do you fear facing? And the name I kept hearing was, like, in terms of dynamism, Ben Earl is miles ahead mm, yeah, of everyone I else. Agree. Like, sometimes you, you feel sorry for his shadow and having to keep up with him. <laughs> so, I mean, certainly, if that's, if, if rumblings about moving Curry across and, and having Earl at seven and Curry at six were right up there, fine. Maybe the question is more, who's, who do you want to play at six? Yeah, at this point,
1: and Eddie Jones always talked about having three lineup jumpers. So it's it's what yeah. you do with that as well. It is. Courtney Laws has has been it's what you suffering with, with a glute
2: injury. Yeah, you know, uh, and 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 whether you think you can play with two, like if you're going to pick Billy at eight, and there's a debate. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think his position is completely inviolate no, no. at all. It, it is. It's it's all a balance thing, isn't it? And it, and, and 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 actually. We ought to maybe stop talking so much about who's the six, who's the seven and say, who's the back row? Yeah, the combo. Because what's the combination? That, that it's, all yeah, about, yeah. it's about combinations rather than individual players. People are getting picked now, particularly in the bigger nations with a bigger player pool. They're getting picked for combinations. They're not picked because, oh, he is the best number. Yeah. Depends how you want to play. <laughs> We'll move on to the news that
1: we heard this week that uh, Alex Lowe actually exclusively revealed with, for the Times that Nick Evans is joining up as England's attack coach for the Six Nations, former all-black fly-half, bit of a ledge down the stoop. Oh, yes. And can you, can you tell, Mark, tell us the story. That, how did that all happen? Was it, what, 2007-ish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: I'd love to claim credit for this. OK. I'll who is the one? T- and I'm going to. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm going to claim a little bit, right? I uh, we were we were in the market, um, obviously for a fly half and um post deep, Jeremy Staunton. Post Andrew Mertons. Uh Mertens, of course, yeah. Uh and I just uh, as a quick one, I remember
1: um I don't know if I've settled this on the rap before, but I used to ball boy at Harlequins. Oh, did you? The years that they got relegated. Yeah, well, thanks
2: for reminding me of that. Yeah. And
1: I'm going to blame you for this, Mark, because yeah. in the Premiership, we used to get £7.50 uh-huh. for the match. And if it was on Sky Sports, you get 15 quid. Yeah, did you? And then got relegated yeah. and it went to Fiver. Quite right. And then we got promoted
2: again. Yeah. Stayed, stayed, at, stayed at five. five Thank God for that. I, well, clearly I was on the ball. The economics uh, of I, it. Excuse me, pun. Ah. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> But I, so, all I was I was we say were pushing was Mertens in that season down in the championship. I remember particularly a game against the Chiefs through a triple miss pass to Hugo Monye, who I think scored five tries in the yeah. game.
2: He was um, so he was bloody good, even there though you know. he was past his best, and he's still um, and, and a real larrikin, Mertz, and still you know having a great time in Sydney. The last time I saw him, I must look him up next time I'm there. And uh, but he he'd retired, and uh, we were looking for a fly half, and. Uh, and we we you know we got fairway and Dean was was driving it. He was sort of a great recruiter, and I I helped a little bit towards the end when it looked like it might stall, by releasing a little bit more resource. Uh, but he was one of the best overseas signings mm, of absolutely. the premiership era of twenty five years or so. I think I would don't th- think many people argue with that. Lovely lovely bloke, very very intelligent about the game and about other things too. And I'm, I'm delighted. I think Quinns will be worried that it'll turn into a full-time permanent mm. role. And, uh, well, that's just, you know, when you get good coaches, that's always the risk. I mean, we've talked about Leicester and the, the you know, I'm not sure that Leicester's, uh, the personnel at Leicester, I'm not sure they've all moved across yet. I yeah. would not be at all surprised at the end of the season to see one or two more Move from the Midlands to TW2.
1: There is a a chatter that, well, England have said that Nick Evans is coming in purely for the Six Nations and will return to Quins during fallow weeks. And actually, now the Wasps and Worcester situation is they've tidied up the fixture list. There are fewer overlaps. So actually, he won't miss many Quins games. But there's word on the street that they're still trying to line up Wigglesworth for after the end of the season and perhaps for the World Cup. But it's an interesting one, Al, where it's Borthwick's been said to be good at picking people who challenge him. He's not just looking for yes-men. And someone like Nick Evans, perhaps, has got a bit of a different philosophy and might challenge him in a different way in attack.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because we're, we've been talking about what Borthwick's selections will be and how that's affected by uh, injury and such. like. Suddenly, the start of the Six Nations, if we find out tomorrow that Owen Farrell is missing the start of the Six Nations, then it's an England game plan without... Farrell in the back line which is something that has been like hen's teeth recently a new guy trying to oversee it obviously we've got the what, tidy up for me the crossover with Gleason uh, what's they going haven't on there. tidied it up so right, the, okay. as
1: currently there are two attack coaches there has been no word whether no, Martin Gleason course, has been yeah. removed or not I suspect that he has been or will be but it's working out the so, HR oh, I, I, oh, I've missed I've completely forgotten
2: that so they haven't yeah. confirmed or so denied in, that he's leaving it'll be
0: interesting this potential new driver for england's attack same vehicle are we going to see smith cement his place at 10 because he knows should be back fit for wrestling next week it seems so it's just interesting to see how evans sort of the
2: evans approach fits in with who's available but let's be clear here and it was said about eddie but it's true of most head coaches unless they choose to do it otherwise and and nevertheless that's still the head coach's choice Nick Evans was coaching under Paul Gustard. Yeah, and there in that era, Quinn's played a style of rugby that is dem- was demonstrably not Nick Evans's no. preferred style. But he's that's the role when you're an assistant coach. When you're an assistant coach, your job is to not undermine the head coach and to try and deliver the the style and the game plan that that the head coach decides they want to implement. Hmm. Unless they delegate that entirely, and some do, you know, it's up to you know. I've known D.O.R.s or head coaches or whatever we want to call them, the the boss, yeah. the bloke who picks the team, right? <laughs> it's a very quest. It's a very simple. Who's in charge? Answer: the bloke who picks the, the team's in charge, right? Yeah. Well, how he does it is entirely up to him. Hmm. Um, you know, it'll be down to Steve Borthwick. You know, how does he want to play? And then the assistant coach's job is to try and deliver that to the best of their ability
1: yeah yeah the, the one thing that to sign that off that stuart barnes mentioned in his piece this morning in the monday's times is the grubby old drop goal that nick evans kicked against staff yes so he can play the rough and tumble stuff that was I, I was at that game as well and it was i was in the 29th it was eight, actually like, in the pouring yeah, rain yeah and it was yeah. my parents used to sit in the what i think is the stand where they've now got the chris robshaw bar and the debenture yeah. lounge and all that but me and my mate were behind the other set of posts so we were looking at the far end and there was about two the first two rows were full of water because it was so it bloody was wet. an extraordinary day but that season, quinn's beat Stad home and away wasn't it yeah and that's yeah. is that where you got the idea for yes, it's a big game with yeah. the flying horses yeah and the, yeah yeah in the stade of france yeah. well, there you go there yeah. you go so right that's loads on the the England chat, and we'll they'll get we'll have more clarity on Luke Cowan-Dickie, who we haven't quite mentioned yet, who picked up an ankle injury. He hasn't and
2: didn't look good. No,
1: he just hasn't just flowed. on that he did not look He's very good. very quickly
0: on that. Don't want to don't want to spend too much time on that, but it's it's really interesting because under Eddie Jones, one of the things you could see is is a bit shy of blooding uh, and giving us a reasonable time game time to new scrum halves, but particularly hookers. Yeah, so. If Luke Cowen Dickey is out, and I asked a, a, a scrummaging coach last night from the Premiership, if they were to pick a squad, a pack for England purely to scrummage, who would you have? They had Val Rapavo Ruskin at one, but yeah, they had, I bet they would. But they, but, they <laughs> but had, he's too. But they mm. had Luke Cowan Dickey at two. Mm. Well, if he's missing out here, it's someone is going to have to deputise yeah. who's not seen an awful lot of test rugby. So it's yeah, an interesting I mean, opportunity. Jack Walker was at this fitness camp.
1: I um, went on Australia tour and didn't yeah. play, yeah.
0: Will it be him? I don't
1: know. So it's going to be someone that we haven't seen much of. And then Might be McGuigan. McGuigan, and then Singleton's out for the season, so it's not going to be him. Blame um, me. So, yeah, you're right. There's a few options. There are a few options at Tighthead as well, and Will Stewart hasn't played since the autumn, so that's going to be interesting. So there's loads for Steve Borthwick to mull over as it he looks at his is. selection this week. Next week's pod, we'll probably we will confirm this off air, but probably do it live from Twickenham, because he's going to be announcing his Six Nations squad next Monday. Um, so look out for that because it could be all sorts of ins and outs and as we wrote in the Times today we understand that there hasn't yet been a full formal request to change the number of players he's allowed to alter between Eddie's squad and his squad um, he's allowed the number five, of injuries help but yeah the injuries help because you allow dispensation I think he's pushing an open door there yeah it sounds like there's a there's a mood music that it yeah. wants to get done Yeah, and also it was particularly notable that in the Nick Evans announcement the RFU talked about The collaboration between club and country, so it sounds like repairing a bit of that. But next, and we're going to need some lapping waves and stuff like that to be put in (laughs) because we're going to tour all things Fiji. Because it's the reason why we've got Mark on, one of many reasons. But next, all sorts about Fiji and Drua. Mark, we'd love to know loads about what you've been doing down there on the islands and everything, but first of all can you describe to us your scene so when you look out your window in the office is it all palm trees and beaches or is it all no. that a bit stereotypical? no that's a bit Calf stereotypical is it a, is it a motorway
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the ground so we're right next to the airport okay but my but my office, are you Nandi or suva Nandi. okay uh but uh my office looks across they the mountains it's quite a it's quite a mountainous country um although everyone always thinks palm trees and beaches it's got that too obviously and 300 islands 120 inhabited but but most people live on the main island VT level which is where we're based in Nan, near nandi uh yeah and 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 sometimes you look out and there's the odd you know cow roaming around and things like that but it, it's it's a tropical island it's it's that it's it's very hot it's 85 85 to 90 most days most months most weeks of the year it's very humid uh, we're kicking off at 2:15 on a Saturday every home game That's you know purely for TV obviously and all games on island all or? games on island that's amazing isn't it yeah it's a big big change and it's it's a project I, I use that word a lot this is a project i mm. suppose you know what are we doing well we're trying to do to achieve four things I'm putting putting it very very simply what's the role it's uh can you make this financially viable in other words give it longevity you know the, pacific island rugby and other rugby and other parts of the world has got a not got a great track record of longevity and financial stability so first of all we're going to make sure that that the thing is got enough money to to run and that we don't overspend and and all the rest of it Uh, secondly you know can we go top half of super rugby within three years that's quite a tall order when you think who we're playing against the crusaders and the chiefs and the and the brumbies you know it's a pretty high standard so can we that's the aim that's the target that's the second one thirdly having a team on the island it's the first time ever there's been a professional team on a pacific island based there playing there, training there um previously if you're a rugby player in fiji and trust me everybody is it's just extraordinarily mm. how popular the game is um go w- drive through any village at six o'clock at night they're playing touch they might not have a ball but they're playing touch yeah with a water bottle or a, a coconut and that sounds ridiculously romantic it's one but of it the reasons literally true though yeah it's it's true yeah. but it's one of the reasons their passing is not great because mm. they actually haven't passed in their formative years a lot of them haven't got a rugby ball to to pass uh so the waiting's all different uh, so, can we get 75% of the national team playing for the Druwer? And through that, can we improve the cohesion and the teamwork? Because the great problem with the national team, and that's the third bit, other bit of the project, the national teams, sevens were number one, or number two, maybe in a bad year. Fifteens were 14th. And yeah. one of the reasons is that the, the team never plays together. There, there aren't that many... So, two things will will change that. One... Playing together more often for the druid. So if we can get our representation of the national team on merit up to 75%, that's another sort of big target. Um, And can we get a better fixture list for the national team? That's not really in my remit, but it's very, very closely connected, working very closely with uh, Simon Rawalui, who's the high-performance director over there. Um, And I suppose that the the fourth bit is to use the druid as a focal point to improve some of the pathways and not just of players but of coaches and referees we've got a fantastic training uh, indoor training facility um which is like nothing they've ever had on the island before and and with with a proper gym and proper meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff that's never been on the island to give you some idea and then i'll shut up because i could go on for hours about (laughs) Fiji. It's very wet at the moment. It's yeah, okay. cyclone season, and we are. I, I, I was on uh, this morning. I was on meetings because it's uh, it's seven o'clock at night. with twelve hours difference over there. And our big headache this this week is every pitch is flooded. Right. Yeah. Where and there's not an in, and there's not a four G on the island. So you are having to meet challenges and things that you have to fix and try and improve. That I'm glad it's not my first job because i'm not I'm not sure i'd be i would be I would be too good at it but hopefully I've got a bit of experience to bring to bear yeah can I ask you what it's like with the uh, political
0: back background in fiji obviously there's just been a recent election yes. there if you look at the modern history of fiji it sometimes feel like there's been more coups than a highland farmer like there's a lot going on
2: yeah although we've just had our first peaceful transition exactly that's what I was asking the, for, the, for the first time since independence in 1980 uh, and you know it was a free and fair election and uh, you know progress is being made having said that there's always a degree of instability there's always political risk in that and given that we are uh, we're, it's so central to the culture you know rugby is not back page news in Fiji it's front page news yes. yeah um, and therefore, there's always interest. There's always everybody's got an opinion, right or wrong, and that's fine. So I suppose one of my jobs is to navigate the drawer through and bring a degree of stability to it. That and it's new, and we've never done it. They've never done it. It is, it's like running a startup, if I'm honest. Yeah, it, it must really be really is. exciting. It's great fun. Yeah.
0: And my second question is, is like, you mentioned the sheer volume of people that play rugby mm. and there's a reason why foreign teams look to scout yeah the islands yeah what's it like from a talent id point of view uh, I, we lose
2: you see i'm saying we all the time aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> When's true, yeah, it, coming? we, we, we <laughs> lose a lot of talent at 17 18 19 and we lose it to the nrl we lose it to other super rugby teams outside of Fiji. It's in New Zealand and Australia. Largely through scholarships to big rugby playing school like mm. Brisbane Boys or uh, Rotorua High. Um, and we have a lot of scouting from Top 14 and Predator. Do Claremont still have their no, facility on the No, but they're islands? still quite strong in that part right. of... Uh, it's called Sigatoka. It's, yeah. it's quite strong in... They're quite strong in that <clears throat> province where Sigatoka is, and that is probably the strongest rugby-playing province amongst a load of strong rugby-playing right, yeah. provinces. Mm. I mean, but you say that, there are, and you mustn't, well, and I'm trying to say to people, we mustn't. you mustn't take it for granted and be glib about it, or there'll always be another one. There's so much talent. Well, yes and no. Yes, there's a huge amount of raw physical talent of pace and size, but, there's still a pile of work to do in terms of coaching. There's a pile of work to do at schools rugby because it, you know, there's a pile of work to do in facilities because they play on the most, we wouldn't, we'd, you go past some rugby pitches on the island, they can't possibly play on that, yeah. surely, yeah. but they do. Um, and so there's still an awful lot to do, but as you say, it's, it's, it's really exciting it's very interesting culturally it's so different that's the other thing we've hardly touched on you've got to put all this into a culture that is so very very different to ours and is so very very non-western you know the the the, the atokai culture in fiji of the indigenous people is is so collective it's so linked around the family and faith and the village you've got to put everything in that context so yeah, it's, it's very, very... It's why I went. It, it, yeah, I knew yeah. it would be so different to anything I'd done before.
1: Are you, are you hopeful that... Because um, obviously at the end of this year, we're, most rugby fans are going to look at Fiji and say it'd be amazing if they were to properly challenge yeah. and have that time together yeah. that you've mentioned with the guys that have yeah. not played together and could actually take a couple of scalps, but maybe less so on the national team because that's not
2: your remit. But no. are you hopeful that Let's say in five years, yes. that there is something oh, yeah. really oh, l- l- significant look, there. L- l- no mistake about it: this project is to turn Fiji into a regular top 8 eight, fifteen, aside country, right? L- l- no, don't shilly shally about it. That's the that's the aim. Mm. Whether you achieve it or not is, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But that's a multifactorial process. But that nobody's shying away from the fact. But that's the aim. Can we, and we're realistic, we know that the very, very best players from the Druer will at some point go to almost certainly France or Japan. Yeah. Because we simply can't afford, to, we can't match the salaries in those two countries. But look at it on the positive side, until the Druer emerged, everybody had to go. Because there was no side to play for. If you didn't... The only way to get off the island to play mm. professional rugby pre-Drua, and this is why it's such a huge change, was yeah. get scouted into a school in New Zealand and Australia at 15, 16, get spotted by a French scout and move to France at a similar age or play sevens mm. and get and get spotted off the seventh circuit there yeah, was yeah. no other way of doing it this is a is a is a sea change mm.
0: so what's your first home game
2: uh crusaders I mean, <laughs>
0: yeah. if we can, uh, who do we need to talk to about March getting to the, that? March, game? March the eleventh,
1: the Times offices after us. Mark the eleventh
2: at La Tocca, the Crusaders, two fifteen in the afternoon on Saturday. I'll keep a couple of seats for you.
1: Yeah, and the, the drew will pay for it all, right? You're oh, holding the Of course, the purse, of course, we're rolling in money. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. we'll just bankrupt the whole union with <laughs> our travel expenses. But no, that's that's fascinating, and there's so much more we could talk about. So maybe on the next few rucks we could. But I think now the pertinent thing to do is to get onto our God or Goddess of the week. And you introduced the devil, Mark, but I don't think we'll probably have a devil this week. No, it's been a good Um, week this week. So after this, we'll have our God or Goddesses of the week. Right, God or Goddess of the Week time, and Al has requested to go first because he's got a belt, belt or something a bit different. You think
0: something a bit different? Uh, it's not a God or a Goddess or a Devil. No. I'm going for divine intervention. Oh, he's of broken the, week. the system. <laughs> and it's it's a choice between two 50-22s. Well, oh, in yes. Ben Mean's case, a twenty two twenty two. I saw it described as. Yeah. Uh, that was just a, a ridiculous kick that he managed to to lace through so close to the try line and uh, just off of uh, by the way Ben Meehan is, can use both of his feet He's, you need to keep track of him like the way he plays is, is brilliant Or well, the other one is Bordeaux Begles scored a belter of a try when Maxime Luku laced through a 50-22 quick thinking the young winger whose name falls out of my head completely 19 year old guy runs in quick looping pass um, when everyone at Bayonne was just sort of standing around going what the hell do we do now and Mo Fana scored it was brilliant stuff in front of a bumper crowd in Bordeaux,
2: and yeah, yeah just good fun. So,
1: sort of haloing on two kicks, basically. Yeah, yeah and they're, right.
2: they're, they're back a bit, aren't they, Bordeaux, after, you know, everybody else is going, you know, they had a terrible start, but they're, they're playing well. So, I'm hoping, actually, and I'm waiting to get it full signed off to do a nice French
1: weekend coming. So, I'm looking forward to that. Good Possibly. Oh,
0: well, that's going to eat into our Fiji budget, but yeah. that's Yeah, cool.
1: yeah Claremont Leicester, Friday night. Um, and then Rassing Harlequins on the Sunday. And I might see if I can get to Stafford, say against the Lions in Paris on Who the Saturday. Who again are playing very well. Second in the league. Very Paul well, Gustav, yeah. Français
2: playing really well. First time for a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But um, Al mentioned loopy passes, and I think you're nomination might include a, <coughs> a long does. loopy pass to yeah. the left wing
2: on a weekend which i really i mean i think we all do we love an underdog don't we we love a surprise we love it we love it being unpredictable newcastle tigers loved it uh, benetton beat ulster what a result mm. for benetton and fifth in the league or sixth in the league you know the italian the signs in italian rugby are very very positive and connor i think to nod to connor uh, who beat the sharks who have and, been and traveling pretty it, they well. That they well. did, but 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 really fair play. Good really good, but you got I've got to go with 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 the mighty Coldy, <laughs> Yes. Uh, the Wirral's finest. Uh who beat Ealing Trailfinders. Um and that is for a team that has got the most wonderful junior section. Their mini and junior section is just fantastic. Who over the years has produced people like you know, Ben Johnson and Matt Cairns and people like that. You know they they've got a real strong and and, and many others. I've, I've, you know go look on Wikipedia. Um, it, it they've got a real story, you know, contribution to the game, and um, you know many of whom are me pro and, and whatever to 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 knock over Ealing. And, and I'm sure lots of have seen it on on Twitter mm, and oof. youtube uh, you know you look and think well, there's nobody behind the post' is, you know it's not they don't get huge crowds, although they got a good one they beat sale in the playoff um but those bunch of young kids behind the goal yeah, going I mean, about, absolutely yeah. bonkers because their their team I'm sure they play mini rugby for Colby, their team has just knocked over the unbeaten league leaders mm. was just heartwarming and I loved it so then the long loopy
1: pass was from the fly half yes it,
2: the yeah. one that he sort of missed five or yeah, whatever it was. it was but it,
1: it possibly helped <laughs> that uh at that point Ealing were down to 12. yes um because they had a tight head red carded early on and then two yellow cards later on in the game but yeah 26 24 hell of a result and actually it's going to make it really quite interesting now this championship season um
2: because we still don't quite know what's happening with no and it's up still and gonna look i i wouldn't be at all surprised if it comes down to the the second game between yeah uh, well it, at the moment i was gonna say Jersey and ealing ealing
1: uh um played 11 10, lost one points and then jersey a second played 11 10, lost one 49 points so that is a bit of a race isn't it Coventry, it is not it its bedford after that but it is those are the two and it Imagine that, a, a jersey in the premiership, for example.
2: Don't get me going. Not this late in the podcast. <laughs> We're
1: just putting out the fishing rod. Don't then. get me going. <laughs> right, so um, we mentioned him earlier. My God of the Week, I think... Just sort of. I mean, I gave it to the wholesale pack last week, so I'm being a bit um, wide with my gods. But I think we'll do, go specific. And I know it was more than just him, but Matteo Carreras, for everything we yeah. mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, with his stats, and Newcastle's win generally... Good to see the Falcons flying high. So I think Carreras, he can take it for, for the group on, on behalf of all Argentinian premiership players and Newcastle Falcons. Good result up there and good to see them winning. See. So, right, that has been another ruck from the Times and the Sunday Times. As we mentioned, next week is going to be... It comes around so fast, doesn't it? England squad announcement for the Six Nations. I think Wales are announcing their squad that week. And lots of the others will as well um i'll try and give you some sort of dispatch from my possible trip to France, as european cup action or champions cup action we should call it but for now thanks so much to mark, Pleasure. mark when's your flight saturday right and you Two get o'clock. there on
2: the week after i get that. there monday morning
1: yeah because okay. <laughs> yeah. it's the kiwi side of the line isn't it so you don't yeah which yeah, way yeah, do you yeah, go, you, do you you go, go LA via or? la is the yeah. quickest way to get there hope you enjoyed that all lads and ladies thanks so much for downloading please subscribe follow tell all your friends about it and join us again next week for another ruck but for now thank you very much and goodbye
0: voiceover describes what's happening on your iphone screen
2: voiceover on settings
0: so you can navigate it just by listening
2: books contacts calendar double tap to open Breakfast with Anna from
1: 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.